Give me a mild disaster that might happen there in Adelaide, Australia. Oh, a raging hangnail epidemic. Oh no, a raging hangnail epidemic. Okay, now we need to think about how a Roland Emmerich movie would cover that. So I'm going to need at least 50 characters from different areas of the nail universe. Has he... We're going to need people on the ground, a couple of people suffering. Great. Do we do we get A-listers? Oh yeah, we get A-listers. Or, so or what's Bill people Pullman suffering doing? on the ground. Yeah, oh, that's the thing. Is yeah, A-listers either just on their way out or B-listers who haven't been in anything in a while. Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson is a hangnail sufferer, and that sucks for him. Meanwhile, um, we've got some army guy who's been called in. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, you know what? Just bring back Adam Baldwin. He's not doing anything. Yep, that'll be Alan, uh, Adam Baldwin. Absolutely. I think we could have at least two Baldwins, um, depending on which ones you go <laughs> not for. Not Stephen Billy, and not Alec. The fourth one yeah. that no one knows. Billy. Billy Baldwin. Isn't there he another about... even more obscure Baldwin? Oh my god, is there? I'm going to look up the Baldwin brothers. Baldwin. You, you, you keep going you with this bit. look up Baldwins. Um, who else do we need? We have got an army dude. We need someone who's like the expert in nails. Um, and then we need, most crucially, a conspiracy theorist. Ooh, who's who your... saw this coming and turned out to be right about the whole thing. Who's your zany go-to uh, uh, scientist? How about Richard Ayuadi? I feel like he's doing anything now. Incredible. The director DVD man himself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I feel like Richard Ayuadi will be our eccentric conspiracy theorist who turns out to be right about everything. He was right. There is a hangnail epidemic coming to Adelaide. Nobody knew about it. There's also a reporter, I think. And that's going to be a Simpsons voice actor. Yardley Smith? Yardley? Yeah, that'll be Yardley Smith. Yeah. Absolutely. It's Yardley's time to sm- shine this time. Um, yeah. Crazy reporter who joins on the adventure. Also, I'm sorry, Richard. Romance between Richard Ayuadi and Yeardley Smith. That's right. We're breaking down Hollywood cliches here, people. Get on board. Also, I'm sorry, Richard. I don't know why I gave you shade. podcast that likes to get the landmarks on holiday where we take the same pictures that everyone else takes i'm paul president and this week my global defense system has been brought down by sean fleurl hey secretary of sean to you oh yeah <laughs> chief secretary of sean or sean in chief sean is exactly the dangerous companion i need to join me on my interplanetary journey across the bad blockbusters of the past four decades as much as the budget would Absolutely. allow <laughs> so, but yeah, absolutely, and it's you're going to be amazed at what we get away with with this. Um, this is a useless attempt to identify some trends <laughs> in the biggest bad movies of their era. Uh, we've dodged arrows and incomprehensible accents in Robin Hood, and blasted through the sound barrier of the mid noughties butt rock with stealth. And I asked Sean to identify a tens blockbuster to represent the decade's shortcomings, and he chose the 2016 legacy sequel, Independence Day Resurgence. Wow. We found something out here. Something only you might understand. Oh my god.
20 years trying to get us ready for this. We used their technology to strengthen our planet. But it won't be enough. I see them in my dreams. They're coming back. Womp. Exactly 20 years after the original ID4 making this ID5, I think. Do you know it took me far too long to realize why they used the acronym ID4? For the life of me, I could not figure out where the four <laughs> came from. I, I stared at that thing. It's still really arbitrary. No, it's not. But I was just looking at it going, there's no four in the title. Like, I could not. This is why I shouldn't be on the pod. Like, But why just take the four from 4th of July and stick it on there? It what? just... No. ID4J. And I found out and I found out that it's because that Independence Day there was a copyright already on the name. In which case, why did you call it that? Um yeah. (laughs) That's inexplicable. Very much like Independence Day and this belated sequel. So hopefully all of you remember the original Independence Day, although kids these days who knows? It's on on the telly a lot. You know, and for any particularly young kids, the telly was a sort of TikTok that you had on the wall and the family would watch it together. How old are we again? We're we're far too old to be talking about any of this. (laughs) Far too old to have a podcast. (laughs) No, we're the exact right age to have a podcast. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyway, after the immense success of Independence Day back in 1996, there was an immediate insatiable demand for a sequel. So six years passed uh, with nothing (laughs) happening. To be fair, Roland Emmerich and producer Dean Devlin were very busy with all the subsequent smash hits like Godzilla and The Patriot. So... Hold yeah, on, have I? Is back. this the second deemed? Did Roland Emmerich do Godzilla? Yes. Is this the second Roland Emmerich film that I've brought? Incredible. <laughs> absolutely. All right. Day after tomorrow is next, everyone. Day after tomorrow is absolutely next, and my God, you'll see the journey. Ah, uh, but yes, um, they come back. They come back to Independence Day, apparently partly motivated by the reaction to 9/11. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, sure. can, that can make it felt. Devlin, who incidentally may just be have the single most punchable Wikipedia profile picture I've ever seen, uh, started work uh, on the sequel. But according to Emmerich, during the release of The Day After Tomorrow in 2004, they tried to find a way but couldn't make the story work. Jesus Christ, to think that that stopped them at one stage. And the fact that what? And I know you'll get into this, but they, they wrote this in two weeks? Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> it shows. Yep. This is... Good old first draft territory right here. <laughs> Did we resolve that? What? I don't remember us writing that. <laughs> Did uh. we resolve that bit? What? The film. Did we resolve the film? <laughs> Just about. So, yeah, they go back to it in 2009 and plan a trilogy, uh, specifically named Independence Day Forever Parts 1 and 2. Just maddening. Wow, Parts 1 and 2 were a thing even in 2009. Oh, yeah, because um, this was around the era of sort of Parts 1 and 2. Well, Did, actually, maybe I thought Harry Potter, slightly. Harry, Harry Potter, Potter started in 2011. Yes, one of the first. And then also 2011, around the same time, you have Twilight and um, of course. Mockingjay as well. So That kind of late later, noughties so. resurgence, yeah. Yeah, resurgence. Um, uh-oh, you said the thing! We tr- we always drop the title, everyone. You have to listen for it. But... Uh, but, but. Uh, but- but then, yeah, the Predator. But then in 2011, Will Smith becomes unfeasible due to his requested $50 million salary. Jesus fucking Jesus Christ. Christ. Eat the rich people. Just fucking eat Smith. 
Eat, eat Will Smith. Eat Big Willie style. Eat, 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 absolutely. Apparently, Will Smith would be back in talks uh, for the movie later on, but ended up finally dropping out due to conflicts with Suicide Squad. Well, well done, sir. You, you wild, wild wested yourself again. <laughs> no, he I didn't mean, because it wasn't like research yeah, did exactly. well. So just... <laughs> it's not like he missed out on this. He's just the he Matrix, from yeah. one <laughs> sinking ship into another one. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Well, in 2013, they rope in James Vanderbilt to help with the script. And it's got to be perfect. Vanderbilt had worked with uh, Emmerich on West House, White House Down. Oh, Jesus. And wow. he is also the screenwriter of Basic, the movie of John Travolta and um, Samuel Jackson. Terrible. Um, the Losers, sort of action movie that I vaguely remember. Oh, Jeffrey Dean yeah. Morgan. Yeah, based on the yes. comic series. Yes, I, I believe so. Fun. I, oh, I don't remember it. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man films, one and two, starting to sense a pattern. And Zodiac. The, the... Mark Ruffalo, yes. uh, David Robert Danny Jr. Still yes. never seen it. Incredible. One of the best films of the 2000s, and this maniac is the sole screenwriter on it. But I don't have five hours, Paul. <laughs> it's only going to take you two and a half. It's <laughs> well worth your time, sir. <laughs> oh dear, though. Jesus Christ. Hilariously, Vanderbilt wrote two versions of the script, one with Will Smith in the lead and one without. Honestly, with this fucking movie, I could easily see how you could just cut a main character out and without really structurally changing it. Also, who is the main character? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Well, there isn't one because they cut Will Smith. This is yeah. the version about him. God. So, yeah, the film needs one more rewrite to get re- greenlit, though. So two actors, Nicholas Wright and James A. Woods, were apparently working with uh, Emmerich on a Stargate remake that is still upcoming. God help us all. Great. And he wrote the final draft. Uh, so they wrote the final draft. Uh, they consider Returns. Retaliation, Rises, and Requiem for a title before settling on Resurgence, which I think is wrong. Maybe this is really subjective, but in my head, a virus resurges. You know, something that like lays dormant, then resurges and becomes like a problem again. This is just a massive spaceship shows up. Well, and also, I don't know, Resurgence does kind of give the idea of... It was. It never fully went away, and it was kind of yeah, right? there. Eczema and then it just re- resurges. <laughs> Independence Day, eczema. <laughs> my like God, if... <laughs> I think my eczema ray have researched, and as much as just a giant thing appeared on me. I say this as someone who suffered f- from eczema for multiple years. I, I, I advocate for this. <laughs> It is very much like having your world rocked by a massive spaceship sometimes the X-Men when man. the seasons shift. Ah, in June 2013, it was reported that, Go- uh, that Goldblum and Pullman would reprise their roles and that a gay character would be focused. Ooh, was that the Yay. Queen Alien? I mean, look, we'll never know. We didn't really dive into her backstory. We really didn't, we didn't one. find out about her personal life. <laughs> Just sitting no, there was, watching TV. It was Data from... Um, Star Trek, who plays the same long-haired scientist who is revealed yeah. to be gay in this particular movie. Um, but there was a great deal of criticism of how far that didn't go. Yes, like by that you mean not at all. Not um, at all, yeah. yeah. Good old, and, and that's a shame, because I really enjoy Brent Spiner. He's a lovely man. Yeah, a lovely guy. <laughs> um, we? Oh, one nice thing about the film. Ooh. Why don't we do the one nice thing? The one the nice podcast. thing. The one nice thing. We no. The one nice thing. No. Um, is that originally the plan was to drop Dubai landmarks on Paris. But after the 2015 terrorist attacks, they reconsidered 
and instead had Singapore landmarks dropped on London. So, you know, holy we didn't have, shit, we didn't have our summer of terrorist attacks until 2017. You see, so it was fine. It was a simpler time. It was a simpler time where you could just destroy London whenever you liked. To be fair, <laughs> I think you probably still could. We carry a lot of sympathy <laughs> yeah. internationally. <laughs> Why ever not? <laughs> Oh, God. There was an infamous and really frightening uh, military recruitment campaign campaign tie-in with the film, and I will steer listeners to the popular culture disorder, I think, no, detective, sorry, pop culture detective video, military recruitment in Hollywood, for more information about how that happened. It was creepy. Oh, no. I <laughs> know like nothing an, about this. <laughs> it was like an online game you could play where you could register in, like, Earth's interplanetary defense, like, thing with, like, loads of ID4 iconography and it was just a military recruitment thing uh, <sighs> it's the worst viral video yeah to be fair they've also done that for like captain marvel it's just it's creepy the way that which hollywood works with the military is creepy how did why did you join up sir roland emmerich sir <laughs> <laughs> you're a fucking idiot son we're sending you in on the first wave <laughs> hurrah hurrah <laughs> oh god you michael bay Oh, God. Yeah, in, you're in Bay Squad. <laughs> you're in Bay Squad. They're the guys that we literally just launch out of cannons at the enemy. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah, critics, meanwhile, um, reacted like they were grounded until further notice. Uh, oh. Christy Lemire, writing for RogerEbert.com, says, It's just dull and a hollow, massive waste of time and money. That was it, sorry. It's just dull and hollow, uh, hyphen, a massive waste of time and money. It, no, I like your first hyphen, reading. <laughs> Because of the hyphen, it made it look like hollow a massive. Hollow a massive. It's so bad I made up a word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hollow a massive. It's in Latin. Christy Lemire's brilliant. <laughs> oh, public, meanwhile, there are so few quotes to actually pull from for these little segment bits. Really? I Fascinating. I didn't like it. I had nothing to, like, what's a general dislike thing from this movie? <laughs> like, public, meanwhile, welcome to Earth. No, that's the first one. Oh. Anyway, you found Scarfa- bad stuff about the original. <laughs> Scarface Barface at Google said, and this is this is the whole review, but it's worth it. If I could, I would honestly give it zero stars. Rented it to watch with my husband and our son, and it was so boring. Not even halfway through, we were just cracking jokes, finishing their predictable lines, predicting every single thing that would happen next. If I were alone, it would have bored me to sleep as long as the volume was low, because it was just constant buzzing, zooming, and laser gun noises. No time was spent on character development, so you didn't get attached to a single character. A lot of the acting from the newbies was bad, and just too many special effects with Leon Helmsworth's pretty face plastered on the cover face and Jeff Goldblum Bloom, uh, playing on the 90s nostalgia sometimes you just need to leave good things alone let's hope they don't do an Armageddon sequel too not Armageddon also like we don't need to continue the podcast that was very succinctly <laughs> written <laughs> that was very succinct I think I misread it when I pasted it because I, I read that she had said um, it wasn't 10 minutes in when they were, so, were uh, riffing and I just had this great image of her trying to pay attention to Independence Day Resurgence whilst her son and husband just family just having a riff <laughs> shut up <laughs> I'm trying to follow the story I want Liam Hemsworth on my screen more <laughs> his face I want his face on my screen ah <sighs> Whilst promoting the similarly awful film Midway in 2019, Emmerich admitted that he was disappointed with the film and that he should have stopped after Will Smith left because the version of the script with him in it was much better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Will Smith's always improving every project he's a part of. He... (sighs) 
At least it wasn't Dwayne Johnson. And I know we've chatted about That's this true. a lot, but there's a verse like <laughs> what was Dwayne Johnson doing in twenty sixteen? It was just prior to Jumanji. So he was yeah. he was free. He was free. You could have gotten Dwayne Johnson in this, but I mean, if you leave Will Smith out then uh, and get Johnson in, pff, what a slap in the face. Yeah. Or at least get Carlton. There you go. Fresh <laughs> Prince people. Where am I at? <laughs> where are you at? Not where, where you am I at? at. I know where I am. Where am I at? Please. Help me. Where am I? Help me, please. <laughs> uh, Christian Simpson uh, is a three man. He was basically we've got two guys who are just like three men. There's Christian Simpson and there's Tarsine Gowrie, who are just in stuff. Christian Simpson was in Phantom Medicine, Revenge of the Sith, Random People, but more importantly, was also Brandon Brendan Fraser's double in The Mummy Returns. Also, I know I'm, I know I'm latching onto the wrong here thing, but did you just mention a three man who was in Phantom as a random character and then came back in Revenge of the Sith as a different random character? I believe. Oh damn, wasn't the same one? Not the <laughs> sa- no, that would be amazing, but no, it's not the like lore. the purple dudes. <laughs> the purple dudes that Emperor Palpatine meets the with from Return of the Jedi. Dudes. The purple dudes, they're there and they're just fancy guys. But no, Fancy this is man. just some rando. Another oh. uh, one, Tartin Gary was in Baywatch in Godzilla: King of the Monsters. Fine. More importantly, Jeff Goldblum. Is a foreman oh. after Mordecai. Weirdly, he's a foreman very recently. He was in Mordecai, which was in like our first fifty That's episodes. The Johnny Depp comedy, yes, in quotations. Yes. Yeah, yes, that was early on in his resurgence. That was before Thor Ragnarok, so it's before he sort of before um, he sort of came <laughs> back into things. So before Goldblum, BG, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, he was in Buckaroo Banzai um, and Jurassic World Dominion, both of which are episodes we've done in like the last six months. So. Yeah, and yeah, Jurassic World a... is going to come up in this conversation a lot. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's going to get referenced. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, free to a man. Free in a bush. Free. Free. Yo. Films are shit, mate. The film has 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, 32% on Metacritic, 72% on Google, the worst platform, and made an upsetting amount of money. So, Sean, you Dr. Levinson. I've got nothing. Uh, um, reporting. <laughs> <laughs> What's one thing about this movie that made you want to kick some serious alien ass? Ugh. So, look, a bit of context. I'm sick. <laughs> and it was also my birthday yesterday. Um, Yay! But I remember Happy you came sick to... Day. Happy sickness. Uh, you came to me. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, bring a bad naughties film. Uh, bring a bad teens, teens film. And I was yes. immediately enraged because I wanted the naughties. Because the naughties has no. so much trash. Um, I know, but it had to be stealth. Stealth is just the first thing I fucking think of with bad naughties movies. Well, what's what's fascinating is I struggled with this for a while. Because this mm, you did. decade obviously like learned a lot of mistakes. Learned from the mistakes of the naughties. In a, like because in a lot of ways, this decade did try to like kind of uh, uh, rekindle a lot of what it lost, but it also suffered from uh, what we'll talk about a lot today, which is like legacy sequels. But for me, yes. I thought, huh, because I was stuck between two options. I know this is a very long-winded response. I was either going to give you Independence Day Resurgence or Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yes. Which would have been an interesting continuity for you. Exactly. And I wanted to steer away from that. But I this is another one from my childhood, especially because I was a huge Will Smith fan when I was growing up. Like in the 90s, I watched, devoured everything of his. I loved Fresh Prince. And yeah. I remembered that uh, Independence Day in particular was Will Smith's coming out party. It was, hey, he's literally just finished the show. This is our attempt to bring him into the world. And it mm. worked. It fucking worked. Like Independence Day, I don't think people can... Like, people that weren't around in the 90s, which is all of you, um, <laughs> I don't think you 
properly can appreciate how big Independence Day actually was. It was like yeah. a monumental success. And so I was yeah. like, I remember then seeing Resurgence in cinemas and I remember mm. viscerally hating it. And so I was very intrigued to look at the disparity. Uh, so as a side note, I didn't I didn't do this deliberately, but I realized that I watched Independence Day on Independence Day this year. Like, oh, on, there you go. On Tuesday, yes. I watched Independence Day, and Paul, <laughs> I fucking love that film. Independence Day one. One. Okay. And hold on a minute. Let me just yes. before we go into that, I need to like address three things that you mentioned. Um, first of all, yes, <laughs> hold you're on, absolutely. Hold on. <laughs> You're absolutely right about uh, people not appreciating how big Will Smith was. And in fact, I had someone substantially younger than me um, try and ask me to guess who the highest uh, grossing black actor um, in the world was, like, ever. And I was like, probably Will Smith. And she was like, yeah, isn't that a surprise? And it's like, no, it's not. Like, in the 90s, he was unstoppable. He had a string of successes. Yes, and you went and saw a movie because Will Smith was in it. That's why I went yeah. and saw Wild Wild West, because Will Smith was in it. I wasn't the retro, like, fucking steampunk Western aesthetic I was dying to see as a kid. You went because Will Smith was there. It was the, the capital that he, like, and the goodwill that he created between Independence Day, uh, Bad Boys, the Men in Black series, iRobot. Um, like, <laughs> I am legend. I think he may have... Yeah, I think he was on his downslope by that seven, point. But I seven think... pounds was the one that did it. Seven pounds was the one that okay. started the downfall. But up until then, every single film that he did, like he had a string yeah, of about ten films that made over a hundred million at the box office. That's true. It was a and it high finished with man. I Am Legend. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, fuck. What was the second point? Oh, in terms of learning the mistakes, one thing I will say is that I did predict last week. Last week we did Stealth and. Already, with the sort of digital revolution, you've got lots of CGI nonsense planes flying around, like, blowing shit up. But I predicted... But whenever something got blown up, the thing that was blown up was real. So even though you had fake CGI planes, the truck that explodes is an actual truck they blew up. Right. This is in stealth? Yeah, this is in stealth. And I predicted that 10 years from now, if they'd made the same movie, it would have all been CGI. Even the gunfire, like everything. And I think this movie does support that a bit because there's not a practical effect in this fucking movie anywhere to be seen. Um, I can't remember what the third thing was, so let's proceed with uh, Independence Day, the first movie. Uh, Yeah, and and I I just... Here's the thing, and I know I'm getting into like the the difference between the two films, but both of them are bombastic and they're they're silly yes. and there's a lot wrong with them. The yes. main difference between one and two is one is just fun. It's yes. just fun. Yeah. Um, it's still like a American propaganda and like hoorah Independence Day, but uh-huh. in the '90s, I can like I can take that. Like that's fine. There was a like there's a weird. I don't know. I just and I, you know what I also really appreciate about number one is that it's actually not as Will Smith heavy as you think it is. Will no, Smith doesn't show up until twenty two minutes into the film, and mm. it's very much more of like an ensemble piece with characters that you actually give a shit about. And there's just something about even just the dialogue feels so much more natural. Everything about it just feels. I could imagine being in a cinema in the nineties coming with a packed cinema to see this film and just having a fun popcorn-laden affair, right? Yeah. Whereas Resurgence feels like the problem that we have even now, which is it feels like a film by committee where we go, oh, we've identified what worked. Now, Mm. as a studio, let's try and replicate that with seven people in the room trying to all do the same thing. And it's just it was just lifeless. Um, 
I think for yeah. me, it just the original movie represents because I'm not a huge fan of the original Independence Day, but I do think it represents a base level of competence that was sorely lacking in this movie. We'll get into it more when we talk about the sort of analysis of the film, but yeah, there's an awful lot that Independence Day gets right and actually means that it's a sort of effective kind of blockbuster film that this movie just completely fails to do. Yes, I've jumped into the second half of your podcast in the first half, so apologies, <laughs> sir. Let's let's briefly run through what happens in this dreadful film. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I, I, I've, uh, you know what, like here, let's give more context. I wrote no notes for the first time okay. because I intended, <laughs> I intended to watch this film twice. I watched it once without notes because I'm like, I'll enjoy this film. Then I didn't yeah. and I haven't. Yeah. So That's fair. We're, this fair. is, this is, uh, I'm, I'm a... I'm a gunslinger this episode. Wow. So. You're a wild man. Well, look, you might remember the first Independence Day. The very first shot. It's the moon. And we see the American flag planted there. And it's a really menacing, kind of creepy, eerie shot. And we're panning up. And then a shadow covers the flag. And we keep panning up. And we see the earth. And then a ship kind of comes in and view over above us. And it tells us everything we need about the sort of menacing atmosphere of the thing. Well, here, it's just nonsense. Sheer nonsense. Right the fuck away. Yes, it's. I th- I actually thought it was like a video game loading screen. Oh yeah, when they yes, started, it's like <laughs> spiraling galaxies, like a weird hazy refracted version of the speech, which I guess the aliens sent back to the home base as part of their um, distress call. Yeah, it's like and help also- us. Bill Paxton really kicked her ass. <laughs> Ten humans. It's not Paxton, the worst. is it? Pullman. God damn Pullman. it. Pullman. Oh, look, Paxton. If you if they'd have faced Bull Paxton, it would have been a lot shorter film. Oh, fuck me. Do you know what, um, though? I kept calling him the lesser Jeff in my plot rundown because I mix Jeff. up because I mix up Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman, and I also sometimes mix up Jeff Bridges and Jeff... Uh, Goldblum? No, not Goldblum. Um, uh, uh, I know who you're talking about. Daniels. There you go. Like just just because they're Jeffs, that's all. I just mix up the names. I don't mistake who they are. I just mix the names up, and so I mixed up the two men. I do that with, and so he became like lesser Jeff. So that's just who he is now. A lot of bills and Jeffs floating around the ether. A lot of bills and Jeffs in the world. They really are. Anyway, yes, they. Uh, we're, we're here. It's it's on Earth, and it's twenty years afterwards. Um, we've to, we've got world peace now. We've commemorated the dead by building a totally inaccessible memorial wall that's far too high for anyone to actually reasonably make use of. And everyone has pulled their CGI resources together into one conglomerate. (laughs) And everyone has their own special flying spaceship now, and it's great. Everything's good. There's world peace. All we needed was an alien invasion. All we needed was another war. War, sir. (laughs) That's what this generation needs. Yeah, You kids don't know what you got. (laughs) Peace is what you got. Oh, God. Yeah, we get some expositional speech, some hilarious expositional speeches from people, including the President of the United States, who's just the worst. Oh, (laughs) yes. The fusion of human and alien technology not only enabled us to defy gravity and travel with unimaginable speed, it also made our planet finally safe again. Great speech, Betty. Thank you, Madam President. (laughs) And I know her from something, but I can't... Oh, God. I think I know her from Law and Order. <laughs> oh, God. That makes a lot of sense. God, in... Yeah, oh, I've written in memory of the actors we couldn't afford. Uh, a bit of context for my uh, thing. That's right, there's a big picture of Will Smith up. Yes, That's why I, dead. I made that note. He, he dead, yeah. He very dead. Like, <laughs> but don't you're worry. not going to be in our film? We're going to murder you. <laughs> in a <laughs> training exercise. Yeah. 
don't worry. We've got his uh, stepson, and he's going to be just as charismatic, honest. You look out for this kid. Michael uh, B plus Jordan. Never mind all the lesser Jeffs and the not-quite-Smiths, though, because we've got the worst Hemsworth. <sighs> See, no, you've got the second worst Hemsworth, and that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's good enough for this film. Yes. <laughs> second worst is third best. That's right. That's right, Liam. That's what Liam always says. It's how we got the Witcher. Even though there's only three of them. So, oh God, he's got the Witcher. Jesus. Anyway, he's in space. He's on the moon because basically we now have the ability to travel literally anywhere the plot needs you to be in seconds. Yes. They are traveling so fast. (laughs) Even school buses have this technology, it turns out, as we'll see later on. But yeah, you can be anywhere you need to be. Um, and there's a base on the moon dedicated to experimenting with uh, impractical and dangerous architecture. You've got to do it somewhere. Might That's as well it. do it on the moon. So uh, he, he, there's a disaster, but he fixes it while shouting a lot, which is weird because he's acting like he's really straining, but it's like you're just operating some controls. That's it. It's, it's, <sighs> I, I am such a fan of uh, strained vehicle acting. <laughs> I love it because I want to see the behind the scenes of where they're like, okay, we need this to be like, you know, out of 10. It's the old Star Trek uh, story, right? Yeah. Where whenever they needed to get hit by something, they would do a number between 1 and 10 and that directed <laughs> how hard you'd fling your body around. And I think that's rife for pranking, you know? Right, yeah, everyone, everyone, just do a 3. Just do a 3. Will, William Shatner's going to do a 10. Watch this. <laughs> it's, yeah, they go all the way up to 10 with this one right away, which leaves them nowhere to go later on. Go to your happy place. I'm kicking in the fusion drive. Are you crazy? We'll burn up. Yeah, it's very possible. <laughs> oh, Liam. So, Liam. yeah, we, we've, we meet William Thickner, who's like a general, and he is... He's been called to the alien prison where they the aliens they have in prison there are being weird. So they they're, they're dancing. They're dancing away. And mean fucking wild because we can't stay anywhere for more than five seconds. In <sighs> Central Africa, we have an unceremoniously revealed Jeff Goldblum. And yeah, he just kind of is. <laughs> he's just there. Up. I know a lot of people have a negative reaction to being on a loop, but I've actually found it's a very constructive experience. It's Floyd. We have to meet a friend right now. A great guy. Come say hi. Oh, God. And he, he arrives at uh, a base full of really angry guys. And it's like, oh, dear. Uh, is there a white person we can talk to? Yeah, Charlotte Gainsborough is here. Oh, good, 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 good. Okay. That's good. Everyone else can just be menacing and really stereotypical. Also, it's we got John Oliver with us. <laughs> oh, Christ, if that's who that is. I, no, he's it's in not. the movie a it's lot. <laughs> but he's, he's in there <laughs> for seven scenes more than he should be. Yeah, there's a fucking dude with Goldblum who every time he came in, it was like, is he doing anything significant enough for me to go back and retrospectively include him in the notes? And the answer was always not really until the very end. And it's like, oh, fuck, I can't be bothered. He's the the comic relief, Paul. Oh, God. It's very (laughs) depressing. So, yeah, there's a ship. It landed. It didn't crash. It landed. Yes, Um, because it's mining for something. It was mining for something, and so they're going to go up there. They spend a week climbing up there. The shot ends at night, and the next one begins at night, so you assume that it's just um, almost in a few hours, but no, it must have been a week. Otherwise, that would really trivialize the size of these ships. Don't worry. It's a week later. (laughs) They they, they took one of their ships that goes faster than the speed of light. Oh, that's true. They've also built them into their shoes. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Fucking Air Jordan's got nothing on this. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> it's like Helios. <laughs> oh God! Also, also, 
this movie was partly funded by Chinese money, so every now and then there will be a sort of saintly Chinese person with no character characterization or anything wrong with them, but they're just going to be about. That was another staple of the tens. I think that's also like an Emmerich contract uh, uh, necessity. Oh, yeah. You've got to get the money. It's got to play in China. So, yeah. Um, Liam Hemsworth and uh, not Will Smith have beef because Hemsworth did something really, like, maverick in the training situation and it caused Will Smith to nearly die. So... But not, like... (laughs) Yeah, but not. Come on, guy. And he watches the accident that caused the riff on his little computer, and I swear to God, I think, okay, so this is a simulation they were involved in. Oh, those are the actual effects! Oh, yeah. I'm Uh sorry. Uh-oh, I thought this was a PlayStation 1 game. (laughs) (laughs) On the Unreal Engine. (laughs) Oh, hello, Brett Spiner. How are you? This was... It was in the time frame, wasn't it, where they're like, yeah, our, our, sound of, our SFX are enough to do anything. So let's just do the entire <laughs> film. No one Oh, they've us. been confident about that since uh, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. <laughs> what was that? 2004? <laughs> Four? Yes. <laughs> they've been very happy with that. Anyway. Hello, my husband, Brett Spiner. You've been in a coma for two years. What a weird thing to say. Can you believe it? You've been in a coma for 7,300 days. But he just comes in and just immediately establishes everything. Everyone does this. It's amazing. Yes, they, they do the thing where they, they do the, this is Katana, traps yeah. the souls of the, the victims in the yeah, it's sword. Ex- it's exactly, exactly that. Will Smith was off having his own adventures <laughs> in, fucking, <laughs> in fucking exposition. Um, yeah, meanwhile, back at the Central African sort of camp with the warlord character, who's fine, perfectly okay to have. Um, they're just like, oh, Charlotte Gainsbourg's like, there's this weird symbol we should be paying attention to. I th- and Goldblum's like, I think there's more important things to be going on. Really? That's what you, your character says? Yes, this Guys. is literally your entire arc from the first film. <laughs> You've become what you hate, the guy who doesn't listen to the eccentric <laughs> You've become weirdo. what you hate, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> to be fair, it's not bad. Maybe I should start hating Jeff Goldblum in the hopes. So I can be, I might be the man. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. So, yeah. How did you learn so much of their language, weird warlord guy? That's not important. It really is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we needed to know how to kill them. That doesn't answer the question. <laughs> how? Literally how, though? You spent most of your time stabbing them in the back. Yeah. You really know the alien term for, ah! <laughs> what's, your, what's your language? <laughs> oh, I learned one word. <laughs> Quick, how do you say, I would like a baguette, please? <laughs> Damn it. Every time. So a new weird alien ship shows up that's not like the previous ones because it's a circle instead of a disc. Shoot him in the fucking face! (laughs) So they kill it. Yes, as you do. (laughs) Which is the most realistic thing about this film, actually. Yeah. Yeah, Ah, to be fair. Shoot (laughs) it! Oh, God, it was nearly on me. (laughs) So uh, anyway, that was the first alien life form we've experienced in two decades. We should probably send a team out there. Eh. Uh, Give it a week. Yeah, give it a week. We've got a parade coming up. It seems fine. It's dead. We'll just uh, concentrate on doing our big party. Woo. So we've just done a lot of work on it. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll make him feel really bad if we don't. <laughs> we don't Look at him. It. Look at his sad face. Aww. Okay. We'll leave the aliens where they are. But, oh, uh, by the way, Rubbish Helmsworth is dating terrible Jeff's, um, <laughs> terrible crazy Jeff's daughter. Um, who is actually, um, I forgot the actor's name, but I'll say it later on. Uh, she's the main character from It Follows. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah she is too. <laughs> she um, is indeed. 
Oh, yeah, uh, um, uh, Micah Monroe. There you go, Micah Monroe. Uh, yes, who's um, very good in things generally, but not this because there's no, no. character. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, cr- crazy, terrible Jeff is having terrible dreams that his name might actually be Bill, pa- Bill Pullman, but, you know, got to ignore that. <laughs> He's dreaming about being Bill Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> it's game over, man. It's game over, man. Fuck. Game over. <laughs> game over, Bill. <laughs> I want more characters, so we have Judd Hirsch. <laughs> It's Why? I don't know, but he's here on his boat. I I... He's doing a book thing than a boat thing. Can I just say, I know we're slightly jumping. I honestly mm. thought, and I've seen this film before, like, holy shit, they're going to murder this character on the most horrific yeah. way on that boat. And I was yeah. disappointed that they didn't. They didn't. They wanted him on a fucking school bus later. They don't actually kill anyone. They kill one character in this whole movie. Who do they it's... kill? Oh, yeah. the um. They kill the mum... Um, for Vicar A. Fox returns. And also, uh, they kill the uh, the Chinese dad. Yeah, on the base. Yes, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's ridiculous, but yeah, the president celebrates with her moon base team, a uh, teen squad that she has of young kids, young fresh-faced kids that they have. Um, but unfortunately, crazy bad Jeff shows up to offer an incoherent warning. <sighs> ah. And then. But he turns out he was right, because an even bigger of a ship bloody shows up and causes an exciting space chase, kids. Oh, no. How did we not prepare for this? You did. (laughs) How did we not spot this? One of them hilariously says. (laughs) So, yeah, it shows up. London gets destroyed. Oh, no. Uh, You know what the last movie had too much of? Build up. I think you're going to say London. <laughs> in London. London and also just like preparing for things, letting things sit for a while. How about just stuff happens all the time? Yeah, I don't need foreboding atmosphere. I want my no. pew-pews. Pew-pew-pew-pew. And speaking of, uh, speaking of which, how about some more characters? There are some uh, scalvagers in the uh, fucking rivers, <sighs> and they're going to become important. Why? Uh, okay, sure. But yes, uh, Vivica A. Fox, Mrs. Will Smith, unfortunately dies. Uh, rescuing a pregnant woman. She's a hero. She she dies in the like it's the it's the biggest long shot of a single person's it's death that I've funny. ever seen. It's actually it, very. I laughed. I. It is funny because you've also got you're doing it POV from the 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 not Smith character who's just like no, and she kind of just falls in. It's just like I don't know, just like oh no. I <laughs> I of... think that was my mum. <laughs> God Almighty! I'll feel so... bad about it later. We'll, we'll all feel bad about all of this later. Um, William Fickner drives Crazy Jeff to a secret alien observation base. That, you know, it makes sense. Because remember when 9-11 happened and we were going to war with the Middle East again, so we got back crazy Ronald Reagan oh. so that we could draw on his expertise. <laughs> and how well that went. It went so well, and that's why that war went exactly as you would hope. Um, a quick shot of Data's butt later, and it's time to interrogate one of the aliens. Yeah, in... Uh... It's amazing that you could take such an iconic scene from the original and just strip it of anything resembling horror. Yeah, it's also amazing of just, let's just do it again. And it'll be yeah. exactly the same. He'll talk in the same voice. It'll be the same fucking thing. It'll horror is a really... Uh, yeah, lo- oh God. And horror is going to be a huge thing that's missing from this movie. Yes. Just, same with Jurassic Park, actually. I feel like a lot of people forget how scary these 90s blockbusters were. It's Fear is akin to awe, you know? And anyway. Anyway, space space is just another one of the things that becomes meaningless because fucking Goldblum and co are all here as well. Just anywhere. Anywhere you want to be. Anyone's here. Even Joey Ryan and her band of childish misfits are here. 
Oh, God. We cut to a blonde woman driving a car, and I genuinely wonder who it is. I wonder, have we been introduced to this woman before? But I think she's new. She's the one driving around with the kids, and they meet yeah. Judd Hirsch. She's new. It's all looking quite hopeless. The aliens are flinging cities around. There's a lot of terrible things happening. But there's an alien queen that if you kill, will just make this insurmountable problem stop immediately. Oh, great. Oh, let's do that. Yeah. Also, they're here stealing the molten core of the planet. And a general expresses that some small form of skepticism. You know, he's like, how do you know that? And I suddenly remember how fun it is to have characters in a movie. You know, characters who want different things and have different beliefs and cause conflicts when they come into contact with each other. You I haven't them? seen that in 20 years, sorry. Not no. since the original. <laughs> Last movie with conflict in it, damn it. Oh. They're all off on a mission now. In fact, there's a retaliatory strike, which is ridiculous. Um, just before they go, I think... Um, oh, what was her name? Marika. Maker. Maker. Yeah, Maker. Make a wish. Um, sorry. Make a wish. Make a wish. Um, <laughs> make a um, Monroe. Make a Monroe. Um, she says, by the way, I looked at the houses. Homes? No, houses. Um, <laughs> I like this one. If it's still there. <laughs> Billions have died. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that was, I think, that the last <laughs> thing you would do is laugh at that. You'd be like, oh, thanks for ruining that one tentative, like, <laughs> goodbye gesture I was giving you. Ha <laughs> ha, we may all die. We actually got together because of our off-brand sense of humor. No one and, gets us. Uh, nobody gets us, and I think that's actually something that's really brought us closer together. So, the pirates get roped into a dangerous mission. It'll save the world. Eh, uh, fuck it. We'll pay? Oh, okay. Oh, God, I forgot. Ooh. More characters, that's right. Yeah, Jesus. The counterattack unexpectedly goes wrong when it turns out that they have lasers too. Oh, if we'd oh. known that, we wouldn't have just flown slowly towards it. We didn't learn. We didn't learn anything says roland emmerich <laughs> but rubbish jeff suddenly has an important psychic message to deliver the alien queen knows that they're coming are you really that loud space fight outside the ship tipped her off perhaps yeah <laughs> maybe i'll go there <laughs> so the aliens have attacked the white house on foot it seems could this be the president's last poorly delivered line I think it is, because she's not in the rest of the movie, so I no. think we're left to assume she's dead. I think they all got eviscerated. I can't even remember what she said. <laughs> no, just something bad. I'll sample it. There will be no peace. <laughs> but uh, William Fickner is now the president with his steely blue eyes. Follow him anywhere. Gosh. I, I, do, I do love that idea of being like, yeah, the entire line of succession is gone. You, military man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fun because I do like that scene where they just walk in and it's like, they're here to swear you in. It's like, Jesus, really? Oh, fuck, okay, sure. <laughs> I love how readily he, like, but in a, in a, yeah. in a, actually a fantastic way that he just has to accept it. He doesn't have time oh, to yeah. compute it. It's just, yeah, yeah. yep, cool, let's do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, but Crazy Jeff gives a rubbish speech and <laughs> Charlotte Gainsborough and Warlord Guy figure out that the other alien from the start of the movie is actually the enemy of the bad aliens and therefore potentially an ally. Yeah, we, we, we got that. We, yeah, we knew that. <laughs> we, we, we got it. We got the visual fucking language of cinema that you are an expert of, Mr. Emmerich. But, yeah. Uh, there's a laser fight inside of the alien ship involving uh, Hemsworth, Smith. All the kiddies. Yeah, all the kids. The queen is very unceremoniously revealed again, very much like Jeff Goldblum. And is just <sighs> in a fucking room. And she wants the weird orb from the other ship. Oh. So she decides to go after it herself. What could go wrong? Sorry, there's a 
billion police sirens happening in, in Adelaide at Love the moment. It. So you'll, you'll get you'll get a lot you. of that. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> here, take me. Uh, <laughs> do it, you bugs. <laughs> do it, you bastards. So, the plan is to lure out the queen into a desert that's nearby and then hit her with nukes, and it works the end. Can we just fucking call it? Because yeah. there's more. There's like 40 more minutes yeah. of movie, but is any of it worth commenting on? Is there real? Like, how there can't be that much more. You know what? The only thing worth commenting is like... It's just sequel bait. Ah, oh, you God, young, you young kids will be back in space. Oh, we're gonna kick alien ass and take it to their world. Oh, great! Even less grounded action. That's what this fucking franchise. Yes, needs. right. Gosh, Gosh. The, the, that is the, the film. Cup. That's the film. That is the film. There's a couple of moments I'll observe. There's a funny moment where they ask for a pilot and Crazy Jess' daughter is like, "I'll go," and it's like, <laughs> "Did we establish that she's a pilot?" She, there's that one line, line there's one line where i think like because they, they say a few times like oh guess it's nice being in the white house now and not having to be a pilot anymore um but oh okay yeah like that's at the very beginning when you keep seeing photos of the three of the kids together before oh, they had I their see, yeah. their uh scuffle Jesus. christ almighty and then crazy jeff comes in and it's just like no i'll do it and it's like is there a third option yeah <laughs> Anyone is, that else? The, is that all we got? All right. No okay. one else. No one else. Oh. And although there's also a moment where they're in the, the alien spaceship and um, Jake decides he's going to do a fucking... That's Hemsworth. He decides he's going to do a distraction. And uh, he goes up and starts yelling at everyone and then pissing on the floor. And one of his mates is like, oh, Jeff's, Jake's in trouble. And it's but, like, oh, yes. really? That plan backfired? But also, wasn't that the point? Like, Jeff's yeah. in trouble. Like, yes. Capitalize yeah. on that. <laughs> fucking do the thing you're meant to do it's just dreadful dialogue anyway uh is there anything else worth saying the president blows up the ship but the queen survives so they can have another fight yeah uh bill pullman dies as well that's oh yeah bill pullman dies why is the queen chasing the school bus um the it follows girl manages to bring the shield down by just doing the thing they've all been doing but like a lot i can't remember why it chases the school bus does it just see the school bus it just sees it knows jeff goldblum's in there yeah that's it everyone uh, knows where jeff goldblum is (laughs) she can't stand it she can't stand something being alive that's more glamorous than she is that's the real motivation here they really are running with the idea that all you need to do is get behind these fucking things and then you can just shoot them and they die immediately because they do that with the queen in the end yeah. and it works and she just dies watch watch through the film paul none of them ever turn around they don't have that ability <laughs> it's incredible it's like batman so the pirates get rich the aliens die the alien ships all die in what feels like hours after they arrived that's <laughs> this, right. This conflict feels like it lasted like a couple hours, and yeah, the main characters all become a hu- all approximate human interactions, and the movie ends with humiliating sequel bait before Roland Emmerich's line comes up. We are gonna kick some serious alien ass. I hated this film, Paul. Yeah, I was. This is one of the. This is probably the most boring film I've brought you. Wow, it's boring. It's so dull. And it's kind of crazy. Singapore gets dropped onto London, and yet it feels like nothing. No. You know what I was struck by? And I'm going to do a lot of alluding to the first film, because I I feel like Mm. I couldn't watch this film in a vacuum. I had to watch the original again. What Independence Day does so well is and you touched on this it builds tension mm. there's this yeah meta- from, from the moment that jeff goldblum as well sets that countdown up yes. everything is so 
tense and meticulously crafted to the point where it's unsettling to have the group of uh, alien worshippers on top of the roof, like yelling yeah. up at this ship. And you know what's about to happen. You know, but it's been built up so perfectly. And we're in the sequel. Nothing is left room to breathe. Like Nothing breathes. No. Nothing takes time to like assert itself. And nope. it just trades off of nostalgia, but in such a dull, boring, methodical, like like uh, just languid way. Yeah. Also, in the original, the sort of countdown of the days, the date coming up in this big yes. ominous kind of July third kind of thing, like that that creates a sense of first of all time passing, which is essential to making the movie feel grander and more consequential but it does also give it this sort of monumental feeling of just these are historical events being recounted yes you know and it, these are historical yeah. days absolutely i you see i'm not again i'm not a huge fan of the original movie but i still think that it does what emmerich is absolutely fat was absolutely fabulous at he used to do a great first act Yes. He used to do a really good sort of anticipatory building up. You think of like Stargate and the time built up to going into the actual Stargate. And usually he pays off well. Like going through the Stargate is a great sequence. The aliens attacking in Independence Day, you know, the blue lasers is a great sequence. In Godzilla, not so much. But yeah. it always used to be the case that you could trust him to do a good first act full of ominous warnings and a sense of anticipation. And somewhere around the day after tomorrow he fucking lost it and this and moonfall i think are the absolute nadir of his career it's just i hated moonfall so much and what i hated most about it is the number of people who would come in and just do this sort of thing of just saying oh if you take it on its own terms you know or if you just surrender to it and put up with its absurdity and it's like my problem wasn't the absurdity my problem was that nothing felt substantial or like it mattered no, it's it just, it's just boring yeah. and bland. Like, and, and it it's is. a problem. Like, and what's weird is I remember watching this film, and I remember that I was mixing up scenes between yeah. Independence Day Resurgence and Pacific Rim Uprising. Oh yeah, sure. Two very films that films. feel very similar. And I, yeah. P- Uprising is the only film that I've ever literally fallen asleep in the cinema for. Wow. Uh, I was also very tired, Paul. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> also. That. It's it's incredible because I do believe Independence Day used a lot of practical effects. Um, yes, a whole in bunch. fact, in fact, like they built a life-size replica of the ship that you see in Area Fifty One. That ship that yeah. they come into in Area Fifty One is an actual fucking ship. Yeah, Whereas I don't. I just look. I know this is old man yelling at clouds, but the fact that everything is CGI <laughs> and there's this deliberate, like. Um, avoidance of anything resembling miniatures or practicals you just lose so much life and because you can hide a lot of weaknesses and like what would be considered baseless or boring through good effects like good effects that give it life and give it kind of warmth it doesn't have that here yeah yeah no absolutely it's just an entirely soulless and weightless film and it really I think it's in the writing and the direction that I really become surprised at how incompetent it is. Because there are moments here where this feels like you're watching the Asylum parody of the film, just in terms of the absolute lack of technical expertise. The movie looks bad. The movie is poorly edited. It has really bad moment-to-moment editing and extremely bad structural editing to the point where the emotional sort of journey you're going on throughout this film is just absolutely bonkers as it cuts from moments of sort of global terrible devastation to sort of comic relief moments or 
you know, these terrible little character moments that are incredibly insubstantial because there are so many characters. Yes. It's doing the New Year's Eve thing of just cramming in characters so you don't have to actually work on anything. And, what's and it's kind always of... been a weakness of Emmerich. And what's fascinating about that is I remember watching Independence Day and it did feel somewhat, at least until the third act, it felt like a bit uh, of an ensemble film. They sure. did they did kind of bounce around between like a core five or six characters. But each yeah. of them were characters that you actually gave a shit about because at least they feel, felt, A, a little bit more charming and B, a little bit more fleshed out. And like their interactions were actually something that human beings would have. Will Smith is at his most Will Smith in this film, but also it's yeah. very much him playing with what his uh, kind of charm and effect will be like going forward because it's taking a character that was in a uh, a comedy sitcom and going, but what if big action hero? Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I feel like what... What you got in that original Independence Day, I don't think Emmerich is capable of sort of very good characters. No. Um, but I, I do think that he used to be better at sort of letting actors sort of shine in their roles. And in that original movie, the characters who really excel are, you know, Jeff Goldblum and um, Will Smith because they bring so much of their own personality. I don't know how much they're allowed to improvise, but there's so many sort of, what would you call it, idiosyncrasies. That yes. they have, you know, Goldblum gives a very Goldblum performance, and Smith does the same. And in the end, when they meet each other for the first time, their first exchange is um, Goldblum saying to Smith, "Do you really think you can fly that thing?" And Smith turns back and says, "Really think you can do that shit you just said?" Yeah, all that and bullshit. They're like, Ugh. "Yeah," and it's fun. It's yes. a fun little exchange that builds upon characters that by this stage you kind of know. Again, they're not deep characters, but they are archetypes that are entertaining to watch. And you know that the third act is going to be fun because you're going to see these two guys finally exchanging their dynamics with each other, and that's going to be fun. Again, just little moments. What What's the moment where the stiff, the guy who has spent the whole movie trying to argue in favor of the worst possible action, he's just a government guy. This he's is the original? into... Yeah, in the original. He's invited into the prayer circle by Judd Hirsch. Yes. And as he sits down, he just says, I'm not Jewish. And he just says, nobody's perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's cute. It's a cute little line. Because it's, just, and, and and yeah. it's also like, it's worthwhile noting that Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, and Judd Hirsch, all three yeah. of those were uh, allowed to improvise quite significantly throughout the film. You in fact, tell. a lot of yeah. their interactions were. And it shows. It's like, yeah. it was this... It, it's hard to tell, but I guess like, especially now in the last 10 years when everything is so run like pedantically and methodically by the studios, potentially there's just less and less room there to trust actors Ooh. and performers with that space to be able to improvise around. Um, mm, but also I'm whether do you, do you just have characters like Liam Hemsworth and others that simply aren't capable of giving that sort of performance yet? They're not experienced enough to be able to just let loose in that way i'm not sure because like a lot of my issue with modern sort of comedy and things like marvel is that it does feel a little too improvised oh it yes you can definitely swing the other fake. way yeah um, um i think it's yeah it comes down to just being measured enough and having the good discipline which is 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 rare you know and that's the thing is you have to remember in almost any decade 90 percent of the movies that are made are terrible and it's about how good the 10 percent are we have great blockbusters yeah. at the moment in there we have a great 10 percent going on i mean this year in particular there's a lot to be excited about but there are some trends to identify um, yes here and i think the big one for this movie is that this is a legacy sequel which is an interesting idea the idea is i mean they were before they were around before um 
uh, The Force Awakens. Like, Tron Legacy in 2010 was a Legacy sequel. Yes, and that was and... the first time I kind of identified it uh, as, yes, as something that would so. become a trend. Yeah, and it has a lot of shortcomings, actually, sort of of the sort of general movement. What it gets accused of, in general, is just relying purely on nostalgia, um, being sort of really, these really unoriginal properties. And it's what's replacing the remake fad um before and you know obviously it makes hollywood happier than remakes because it means you can involve old actors you know older actors in this and sort of really try and kickstart that nostalgia thing and you can try and get people much more on board than if you were making a remake you know where people tend to get quite defensive there's also something to be said about uh, there's something that Matthew McConaughey started, which was, you know, the Mcreconnaissance, right? Where oh, yeah. you, you take these actors from the, the 90s or the noughties that maybe, yes, you know, people true. don't know very well, but they did have their heyday. We go, hey, do you reckon we can re-kickstart this actor and get yes, people on board we, with the idea of, oh, this is the film that started their return sort of thing. Like, there's a bit yes, of that. Yes, and we, we turned them into sort of memes. We did that with Goldblum very much so. And yep. Did it with Keanu yeah, Reeves. Like, Yep, Keanu Reeves, fuck me. I mean, people forget, like, Matthew Perry took a swipe at Keanu Reeves and the internet came for him. But people oh, forget that, that was, yeah. It was funny, but the, the reason it was funny is because Matthew Perry was, like, 10 years out of date. If he had made that joke 10 years earlier, no one would have given a shit. No, absolutely not. Like, like, oh, the guy that did, what is it, Man of Tai Chi or what? <laughs> the fucking Lake House? Like, yeah, fine. Yeah. You know, have Adam. But, like, yeah, it, it's it's this weird thing where we sort of identify celebrities and sort of, yeah make them into these kind we of We love a good redemption icons. story as well. It's We do. And it's yeah. fine for the most part, but it can also be a little bit I don't know, weirdly infantilizing sometimes or like I don't know, it's a bit strange and it's going to lead to disappointment when eventually these old men usually it seems to be um sort of say an old man thing and suddenly everyone's going to get upset with them and you know this fame that they didn't really expect is going to you know suddenly they'll experience the other side yeah. of it. So but I, I think, like, you know, to to what you're saying, uh, what I find as well has been so interesting about when you look at films like Tron and then Jurassic World um, uh, and a whole slew of these legacy sequels that are coming out is that they just, yeah. they, it's it's this weird trade-off where everything comes in cycles, right? Like, you know, when do we become yeah. infatuated with the 80s again? Now we're infatuated with the 90s again. And I feel yeah. like there's this there's this movement to eradicate a lot of the uh, the the issues that the noughties uh, kind of wrought about. So we've jumped to the 90s, right? But largely with a lot of these sequels, we just don't seem to, or at least the studios, or at least whoever's involved in the creative process behind these films, seem to just deliberately or, like surely it has to be deliberately, mistake what made these films so successful and what made them them. It's Yes, it's very interesting because ultimately... The thing is, you have to remember how the studio executives kind of work, which is that they identify something that worked and they want to ape it. And in this case, what they want to ape is The Force Awakens. Yes. Um, so The Force Awakens is a sort of action-filled kind of um, you know space drama with a, with a sort of myriad cast that includes older people and younger people. So they will take sagas that don't fit into that mold very comfortably. You know, Jurassic Park is not Star Wars. And Independence Day, well, to be fair, was trying to be Star Wars back in 1996 as yes. well with the whole aerial combat thing. Nevertheless, by turning it into a sort of space-hopping adventure where you can travel to the moon and back in seconds, you know, it just it, it takes away a lot of the sort of grounding that the franchise worked with. But I really do want to stress that even if you've never seen Independence Day 1 in your life, this is still a terrible movie. Oh, that yeah, on its own. very poorly to other blockbusters being made in its day. Just, ugh. 
you actually don't need to have really seen the first one, uh, I would argue. Um, no, not at all. It'll like, kill you now. You'll just... It's just... It's its so disheartening, especially because like, yeah. I'm just trying to think, what is, what is a legacy film that oh. has actually been a positive... I'm not saying uh, this condescendingly and that it doesn't exist, so I just can't think of one right now. But like, um, yeah, there's been a few. There's Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, that's true. Obviously, extremely good. I really loved Blade Runner 2049. Oh, um, so did I. It's one of my. It's because uh, Dennis Villeneuve is is my favorite oh, director, yeah. and I love oh, everything yeah. that he puts out. Um, yeah, he's a superstar. And then again, oh, uh, fucking Mad Max. Of course, yes. Yeah. Uh, Mad Max. And and then I will always, and I know I I, c- I can never remember who's where on this in terms of the baby beard team, but I will st- always stick up for Force Awakens and Last Jedi as being a sort of one. So we're an inter- we're an interesting kind of uh, you and I have a a weird kind of um uh stance in terms of Star Wars. I mm. viscerally hate the Last Jedi, but I found That's out right. that we have. I remember it was one of you. <laughs> yeah, we have a. I didn't realize that you didn't particularly like Rogue One. No, I didn't particularly like Rogue One. I I disliked Rogue One thoroughly, and I believed ah. I was in a vast minority with that. Um, um, I think it's a fairly divisive film. Really, did not enjoy. It. I I was listening to your stealth episode last week, so it was, it was just kind of interesting <laughs> to see where we kind of fell on that. Look, like case in point, I came away from this. What was largely what I found from this film, and what I generally find from films like Jurassic World, is they're just they're not fun. And I think that that is an no. aspect of the blockbuster that is missing in a lot of these misses. The ones that miss, yeah. they're generally not fun because you can excuse a lot of uh, shortcomings of a blockbuster mm. film if you can at least go, yeah, I didn't, I didn't regret spending twenty dollars yeah. on a ticket. That was fun. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, indeed. And I think a big thing that gets missing is that people underestimate the effect of horror in these movies. And I was speaking to someone about this at uh, Sight and Sound, in fact. Um, and I was talking about how, you know, the original Jurassic Park film was a horror film. And they said, well, no, it's not. And I'm like, think about all of the set pieces. Think about the T-Rex taking the car apart. Think about the Velociraptors in the kitchen. Think about basically any time dinosaurs are on screen. Horror is a huge part of that movie. And Independence Day 2 has the beats of a horror film for the first act, the act I enjoy. Yeah. Um, before and think about the use of Star Wars clone. use of mm. sound design or the lack yes. of sound design in those scenes. Yeah, and maybe it's just being a kid, but I remember it being frightening. The scenes where they're in Area Fifty One and the alien comes alive, like that line, you know, yes. the hand is moving, which again is a, a useless line because we can see the fucking hand is moving. Um, but nevertheless, when it comes to life and like this thing's scurrying around and we're not getting a good look at anything. You know, it was creepy. And then Brett Spiner speaking with the thing around his neck. Oh, you it's, know, it's, it's disturbing. It is. And you know, what's... And, yeah. I was just going to say, what's also kind of uh, fascinating about that is, uh, you know, cut this bit out because I had a point and then I forgot it as I was speaking. <laughs> or keep it <laughs> no in worries. now that I've said to cut it out. <laughs> you know what? It's it, We're live, baby. We're live. Uh, one last thing before we move on to quick firing, which is that one thing that did occur to me I should have been sort of keeping track on during this is a sort of history of representation in big blockbuster movies. And it's been an interesting journey. The first movie we did, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, had a black character and it had a female character who could fight, both of whom were novelties. It was a novelty that there was a black character. Everybody commented on it. They made jokes about it. It was, you know... A whole big thing. And the same for the fighty woman. You know, it was a yes. joke. 
and it ultimately had no impact on the plot really except when you needed to have some sort of mystical element explained in which case you could uh, rely heavily on the sort of magical black man uh, trope and just have his exoticism answer Shh. any issues that you need so sure he can invent gunpowder sure he can he's just you know he's from a different culture that you don't know therefore yeah. it's fine you know stigmatizing in its own way 10 years later stealth we have a female pilot and we have a black pilot and we have our white sort of main pilot they're here they both conform to stereotypes you know the woman is very no nonsense very stern the black guy is a sort of player who's very good with the women they kill the black guy (laughs) it's very early on and the woman needs to be rescued in the end again we've moved on a little we're not implicitly making jokes about the fact that there is a woman and a black guy here but they are conforming to stereotypes. Yes. Um, and they are f- fulfilling traditional f- uh, roles in movies for characters of that type. Independence Day Resurgence, I think we're doing a little better because we have black characters and white characters and we have women pilots and we have male pilots. They're fairly mixed in. The problem is that everybody is so bland. Everyone's the same. Of- that's the thing. Isn't that beautiful? Everybody is so equally bland and non, non- and such a non-event that it almost is equal representation. Yes, it's just equal they, representation of boring people. They don't have two personality traits to rub together is a problem. Like you literally could have switched. You could have switched all their roles around and it would have worked yeah. just the same. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I remembered what I was going to say, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's actually a, 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 um, a, uh, an argument I would make for the sequel not having to exist at all. And I think that it's very hard to make a sequel to uh, Independence Day for one simple reason. And it's something that the plethora of alien sequels forget, Mm. which is it's so much better when you can't see the alien, right? Yes, it is. Like uh, Independence Day is very measured in when you see the alien and when you don't and how much of it you see. So the problem is... Once you open that box, you can't close it. So it becomes like you can't have the suspense of seeing or not seeing this creature in the sequel. You have to go bigger like because that's just the nature of a sequel, right? You can't keep it yeah. as restrained as you did, which is why I, and I, an argument for why those sequels just don't work from day dot because yeah. where do you get the... Uh, like where do you get the, the foreshadowing and the menace of what the fuck yeah. is this thing? And then yeah. seeing it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's hugely endemic of the entire, indic- indicative of the entire problem. Uh, let's quick fire. Things that we did like about this here movie, because although it is very represented, representative of terrible 2010s blockbusters, no film is worthless. There's always good stuff. So let's have a look. Quick fire. I'm going to struggle with this, but mm. you know what? I'm just going to start with my, my, my first thing. It is interesting to see i just enjoy jeff goldblum to be honest yeah. i i always love yeah. like jeff goldblum is probably the most relatable and most genuine warm character on screen and i always yeah. welcomed every time he came on like it was just yeah. a a well i i think the fact that they did center a lot of the film around him was a correct choice uh and that was as you said it was just before mm-hmm. goldblum have kind of re-entered uh, the kind of the memification of Jeff Goldblum. So, yeah. because he did have yes. that a lot in the past. So this was like just in that in-between period where it's still kind of a restrained Jeff Goldblum performance. Uh, yeah. It was very fun. I'm coming with you. Um, no, this is an ESD operation. Strictly off limits to all civilians and uh, war- warlords. 
Yeah, I think Thor Ragnarok sort of turned the corner on that because he was in there and then people were sharing the picture of him, you know, with his shirt open from Jurassic Park. Yes. And that was sort of, you know, some people who hadn't grown up in the 90s and saw that and were like, oh, okay. You know, so, yeah, it was that was the sort of turning point. But here, he's doing a sort of subdued version of him. I will say his initial scream is very good. I think in... I can't oh, remember in whether the G-force? or not it's the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say it's a fun premise that one of the ships landed. And, you know, there's some interesting stuff going on in terms of the idea that, you know, alien technology has now changed the world, but we never get a sense of how that actually meaningfully impacts on anyone. Yes. Yeah. Um, it just I, turns it into a video game. Uh, another thing that I thought was a good premise and a good idea, and I think is a good comment, uh-huh. is this mm. idea of 20 years later, the second an alien ship comes out, no questions, yeah. just fucking shoot it. Yeah. Like, I, I love that <laughs> visceral response to be like, ah, do that, shoot it. And that was a mistake. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's such a good, like, that, that could have been so, the follow-up was awful. But Yeah, initial, because it still trusts yeah. them. It's still like, yeah, we understand. Yes. It's like, what if that caused more tension and sort of said something about human nature that we're still inherently distrustful of each other? Right. That and been, oh, yeah. it's it's so, I, I love this idea of being prepared for 20 years and you just over-prepared. Um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, obviously, not much in the way of practical effects or real sets, but something that we did have, when there's the young people sort of um, going through the wreckage after the big tidal wave sequence and they find Judd Hirsch, I'm pretty sure that's an actual set that they've built because it does look good. Like, there's broken boats, there's wreckage everywhere. There's a little thing that they built just to have that one scene and it's it looked good and I'm I like that and I'd like more of that sort of thing. Um You know what I'm trying to do here Mm. uh, is I'm trying to look at some of the quotes from the movie and just see Uh, if there's anything that stood out... Because there's none of the one-liners that I really enjoyed. No, that's the thing. Is I had nothing to work with in my intro where I had to use dialogue from the movie to introduce the various segments. I had nothing. No, like, uh, the most egregious... I know this is a good thing, but I'm just going to say a bad thing quickly because I have uh-huh. to. Um, uh-huh. the, I like to get the landmarks. I hated that uh-huh. line so much. Oh, God. It's so... It's the, yeah, no, that was a very annoying line because it's also not original. Um, Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs, substantially earlier, said the thing about how the wreckage seems to be confined to major glo- uh, global landmarks and is then spreading to the rest of the country. You know, and it was funny because it fit the tone of the movie. This was so out of nowhere. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, you know what? I, yeah. I'll, I'll actually give a proper good thing. Uh, okay. I loved the long shot of the uh, the alien ship in Africa, when you finally get like a a oh, long yeah. sweeping landscape shot of the size and the scope of this thing that because up until this point we either get a view of these ships in the sky or wrecked. There's yeah. no in between, and this is the first time there's just something very unsettling about seeing a ship out in the open, unscathed, yeah. just dormant. Um, yeah, yeah. That was as close as I got to being unsettled in the film. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, it, there's a bleak again a bleak premise for terrible uh, delivery there's a moment where they're inside of the ship and they're carrying weapons strong enough to destroy the ship um, and they've gotten through the shield and so the president the president issues the order to blow the bombs sort of automatically from where they are even though they're not being launched but from the plane so the planes are just going to explode and yes. 
some of the planes do explode. It's not quite clear why only three of them do and the rest don't. But three of them do, but they have shields around them so the blast is contained. And there's something really bleak about the idea that those pilots inside died and it was to no effect. Yes. But we don't know who they are. There's no Harry Connick Jr. about to humanize the people who die in the attack. Any named character apart from two of the older actors um, will stay alive. Also, as a as a side note, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, the Harry Connick Jr. Uh, uh-huh. role from the original Independence Day was originally cast to Matthew Perry. Oh wow! Yes, that makes sense. Uh, and he had to he had to pull out. So I just yeah. I just thought that that could have been a coming out party for him as well, and maybe he wouldn't have said his trash about Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> maybe he wouldn't have he would have kept his fucking mouth shut. Fucking Perry. Um, no, uh, you know what? This is just a, a, a indicative of the the silly popcorn laden affair that I would have just loved. I love this idea uh-huh. that uh, the daughter of the president says, you know, mm. to the security guard says, whatever you do, make sure he doesn't get on that ship. And yeah. he's he's obviously gone and talked to Bill. Uh, Bill packs the and Bill says, right, I need you to just take her away for ten seconds. And then I'm yeah, just going to sneak on the sake. ship. And the fact that this security guard's genius plan was going, oh, she's, um, she's, he's fallen. Come quick. And she buys it. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. But also, like, the whole thing with Bill Pullman is that he just looks so disheveled. He's got this beard. He looks crazy. The idea is that he's kind of become, in his time away, the Randy Quaid character. Yes. From the first movie. But it's just so humorous. He's got such a crazed look in his eye. That just, I mean, he, his performance is pretty bad in the first one, in the original movie, I think. I think his delivery is quite stilted. But there's something quite amusing about seeing such a sort of, what's the word, subdued performance with such a bizarre character design. Just a wild bill. Amusing. He's, yeah, he's got the wild look in his eye. <laughs> you don't know what he's going to do, but you know he thinks it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going for one better thing? Uh, one uh, quick fires. I've got a few left. I could I could rattle off a few if you like. Oh, I'll chime in if I think of some. Okay. Um, I think the design of the alien is quite good. You shouldn't be seeing this much of it. I completely agree. But the the design is essentially it's a a Giga esque xenomorph on the outside, and then you unzip him, and there's a gray man inside. Yes. Like I still quite like the design. Um, but it is very startling to just see them walking around in daylight. It's as off-putting as seeing Tim Burton's Batsuit in broad daylight in the fucking Flash movie. And it, it's just like, this isn't where, this isn't how you're supposed to shoot this. And I do love the way that that came about in the original film, which is they had two designs that they were presented for the alien. Mm. And uh-huh. uh, Roland Emmerich loved them both. So he, mm. he chose both. One of them was the suit and one of them was the alien yeah. inside. So it's actually meant to be two different designs. And I thought it was very yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating and it's good. You know, you want it to have that kind of, you know, weird, squishy feel to the technology. I think it's quite nice. Um, and speaking of which, I did quite like this, the Queen suiting up because one thing I was desperately trying to get myself to feel in this movie is the sort of fear of an alien life form with its own particular cold, menacing way of doing things. Because I remember feeling fairly... I don't know, again, this is a kid thing, but I just remember feeling intimidated being inside of the alien ship in the original movie. Yes. The aliens are so frequently in that movie represented by just black shapes in the sky that when they are actually inside and there's a cockpit with aliens in it, I just remember feeling so unsettled. <laughs> and it was it. also very minimalist at that point as well. You don't, yeah. you still don't see a lot. 
everything's yeah. still quite obscured and, and hidden, but there's just these two strange beings. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I will say, I, I did quite like the design of the interior of the ship in this one, where they've got this weird vegetation inside of the it's ship. It's own ecosystem, yeah. Yeah, it's own ecosystem. I quite, and that was a nice idea. I, I do, um, uh, hmm. jumping onto that, I do love the scale of, like, yes, I know I said that I, I would rather it, like, not exist at all. But if you are going to do it, I love this idea of you had 20 years pre- to prepare and you still have absolutely no clue what you're getting yourselves in for. The the yeah. sheer scale and size of everything and to like, especially when you mentioned about the, uh, the force field that went around the bombs and everything just seems so uh, pointless. And I, I yeah. love that because it should feel that way. That's how you should create some stakes of going, what the hell do we have to do? No, it's, it's again, it's undercutting moments. My next one as well is that the idea of a school bus full of kids that has been abandoned because the driver was just like, fuck it, I need to go... See my girlfriend know, or whatever. See my girlfriend, whatever. And they play it for a laugh. It's like, oh, he wanted to go have sex. And, you know, then Judd Hirsch goes, Whoa, whoa. you know, and it's like, it's a, it's a gag. But it's a dark idea, the idea that... Would, what would you do if it's your last day on Earth and you think the world is ending and you've, put in, you've been put in charge of a bunch of kids but you have a chance to see someone you care about... Maybe you would just fucking leave and think, well, I'm going to feel like a monster for the next two hours. Until I'm dead. That the world exists until I'm dead. Like, what would you do? It's an interesting idea. And how frightening would that be for the kids who have no chance of being returned to their families? No. Because authorities won't find them in time. Like, it was a bleak cool idea there, and I kind of liked it. But again, it's probably oh, it's probably not something you could handle in a movie like this. That's Although, it. Maybe you could. Blockbuster. Certainly not by Mr. Emick. Um, okay, one of the worst This is a bad quick fire, but it made me fucking laugh Is that What happens, I think I think it's um, Oh, I can't remember which fight it's in It's in one of the generic fights It might be inside of the alien ship Where Hemsworth has caused a distraction And then his pilots have taken the air And start shooting things But there is a really awkward insert shot Of, of Liam Hemsworth Going to the screen, grinning with all of his teeth, and going nice with a thumbs up. Oh and yes, yes, yes! It's um, so bad, and you just can't help but imagine like that moment being directed. Yeah. It's okay, like Liam. Can you just like just say yeah. nice or any other <laughs> word you like that is positive, and just give us a few of them? We'll decide which one's yeah. best. God, it's it feels so much like that. It's so uh, it's so removed from the action you just saw. It's ridiculous. Love that. Oh, okay. Yes, there's two lines in quick succession that actually made me laugh one of them is that um uh they're, they're setting up the bomb to go off and suddenly a guy comes over and says uh sir there's a school bus in the blast area and it's like <laughs> so there's a school bus headed directly towards the trap there's a school bus that's literally the worst this could be and then when the school bus is driving and um, Jeff Goldblum is trying to wave it you know get its attention I think uh, the character whose name you knew um, from the school bus. Oh, Joey King. Joey King says, um, there's a tall, dangly man waving us down. <laughs> there's a, t- a tall, dangly man waving us down over there. Tall, dangling? That's my David. Tall, dangly man, yes. And he, and um, I think Judd Hirsch just says, tall, dangly, my David. My David. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's I, what I do enjoy is I, I love this in sequels where they, where... Maybe it's been several years. In this case, it's been 20. Yeah. And you come back yeah. to a character like uh, 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 Vivica A. Fox's character, who was Will Smith's uh, uh, yeah. girlfriend. And um, I don't yep. know if in the original, if they give her 
a job or if we, you know, funnily enough, if they, do they give her a job? Uh, but do we know much yeah. about her? And what I appreciate is when you see a sequel and they're in a completely different spot in their life and it's yeah. completely unrelated to who they were. Cause of course that feels so akin to real life where you go, Oh yeah, it's been two decades. Of course they're in this yeah. completely different field and they're a completely different person. And because yeah. she's not such a, huge part of the film in fact she's only there to add a bit of uh she's yeah add a bit of stakes to uh will smith's son but i just enjoyed that kind of like oh this is that's where she is after 20 years huh that's nice she's in a hospital now she's a doctor i guess yes because i think they established that she has some nursing things going on i mean the big thing about that character in the original course is that she was also working as a stripper um and that was causing some weird tensions with you know smith in his career i don't know it's really weird it's dated and inappropriate but yes um yes i believe she had a nursing background in that um it always follows those such narrow uh things of success like there's a few careers that they're bound to be if you check in on them and if you're a woman it's going to be yeah you're now working as a doctor or in a yes. medical profession in some area or perhaps you've studied law it's oh, yeah, yeah it's very interesting but um do i have any left no i'm out that's it so, cool. with the quick fires behind us, it's only time to check in with the OG team. Did you? <laughs> I did. I did check in with the OG oh. team. And the OG team did not respond, which really? is a shame. But in many ways, it's not a shame because, you know. <laughs> That's fascinating. I would have thought it's this surprising. would have. Yeah. Look, I am at this stage, we've covered an awful lot of very popular movies at this point so i'm willing to just put it down to my lack of social media game and i think i need to invest in tweet deck to try and try and get some of these uh, some some time into tweet deck and just try and get some of these bloody OG just pump them responding. out pump them out like a bad sequel i need to because at the moment my habit of tweeting on a midnight on a tuesday just isn't working <laughs> <laughs> damn it damn so yeah i'm gonna have to look into that nevertheless let's talk about the one better thing the one better thing. Um, so, that, like, mm. the 1996 Independence Day, to me, is just a quintessential 90s blockbuster. And I think because we are kind of looking at what uh, the blockbuster meant to each decade, I think to get a full understanding of what that meant for the 90s, it's such a good option. You're smack bang in the middle of a decade. It's definitely at a point where the... the um, the actor was the draw rather than... Like, we're still in the uh, named superstar territory. Uh, yeah. Well and truly, it was, a, as I mentioned, a coming out party for Will Smith. It is Jeff Goldblum in 90s form, which is just a yeah. peak version of Goldblum that I, I love. And it's not great. Like, it's not a great film <laughs> by any stretch sure. of the imagination. But it's just fun. And I think it's a nice mm. palate cleanser after or before, as it were, Independence Day Resurgence. And I just remember, yeah. and there's a bit of nostalgia for me. I love just seeing yes. peak 90s cinema and just looking at <laughs> the way that they imagined life was back then. Especially that like, hoorah Americana, where we're just like, yes, yeah. America. Um, and there's a slight, like, it's not, I'm not as jaded about it in the 90s, even though I should be. Uh I don't know. And you know what? The, if nothing else, it's great to see just to see how they address the horror and how they address the t- the address the tension of that film. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. The first is. act is definitely superior uh, in a lot of ways and then it divulges mm. into a blockbuster fare, but it's just so <laughs> well restrained in its approach and I really loved it. 
Yeah, I think it has a fair amount going for it. At the very least, aesthetically, I find it very pleasing, and in terms of, yes, performances. So if it's on, I will almost always end up watching it. Yeah. Um, In terms of uh, a one better thing for me, I figure there's plenty of, you know, good recent sci- science fiction sort of action movies for people to go see, and we've probably spoken about them a bunch of times. So instead, I thought I might pick up on some good performances that the people who are in this movie, the myriad people, have done. Yes, that was another approach I was thinking so, of taking. <laughs> to pick a few, uh, Maker Monroe was in a very good horror movie recently called Watcher, uh, where she goes to Romania with her boyfriend, where she doesn't speak the language, and there is a sinister stranger in the apartment across the way who keeps staring at her, and she thinks that he might be following her, but everybody around her seems keen on gaslighting her, so that's very good as Watcher. Oh. Um, if you want some Judd Hirsch action, then he's very good in The Fablemans, the recent uh, Steven Spielberg movie. He does a very memorable turn as the sort of uncle character in that. Um, okay. Which is nice to see. And he's much more sort of able to sort of be himself and sort of, yeah, it, it's a very good performance in that. Uh, Liam Hemsworth is in Poker Face, which I have not seen, but I do love Ryan Johnson, so I assume that it is good. Um, and then there is one of the actors in Asteroid City, but I won't say who because it's a bit of a spoiler. Um, but suffice to say, it's, you know, a little bit, but you could probably guess looking at this cast which one of these people is going to show up <laughs> in Asteroid City. But I absolutely adored Asteroid City, so I would highly recommend it. That was the one those, better thing. Those are the one better things. The one better thing. Thank you very much, people, for joining us. Sean, how can people find out about how to join you more? Hello. Uh, so I am on social media, mostly Twitter, at Sean Means John, the hellscape that it is, the sci-fi dystopia <laughs> that Twitter is. Uh, but more importantly, oh, you can yeah. find me on um, Roll to Cast, R-O-L-E. So we were formerly, uh, well, we were formerly Shut Up and Take My Podcast, for those that remember uh-huh. us, from our baby beard lore. But otherwise, <laughs> nowadays, we do a TTRPG variety podcast where we play a different game, a different system uh, every season, which is, comes with its own style, tone, uh, story. It's six of those seasons are scored wow. by the ever-lovely Paul Goodman. Also, Everlasting. I listened to your last week. Uh, also, tell Paul Goodman that I said hello right back uh, because I, I saw that he said that to me and now I'm returning the favour because oh, you forgot, sir. Um, it's a beautiful interpodcastery message, which unfortunately will never reach him because I don't think he listens to any of these episodes. No. Um, but yeah, so and that's kind of where you can find me. Otherwise, I'm lurking about. I'm always ready for a chat. Otherwise, about. Uh, I'm, I'm just living my good life. Living a good life. And if you want to find out about the good life, go to Netflix. It's all on there and it's very good. Oh. Um, no, I always mix it up. I'm thinking of the good place. That's, what, about right. the good that's life. what I thought you were talking about. So we're great. Yep. Well, The Good Life is a very charming uh, 70s British sitcom. Nice character. So The Good Life. Go check that out. And then also check out OG Team. OG Team is what... Uh, no, OG Pod. OGT Pod check is out. what you need no, everywhere. No, they do need to check I, um, out the OG Team. <laughs> they do. You need to. The OG Team needs to sort itself out, frankly. It needs to have a good long look at itself and figure out what it's doing about things. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted your plug. Please go. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, yes, OGT Pod. Type it into anything you want. You will find out more about us. There's also Quest Fantastic, the TTRPG podcast that we do. Jen and the Film Critic is where the film reviews are. And also, I've started trying to write them again because I figure it's good discipline for a film reviewer to sometimes write some reviews. So you can find those over on Screen Mayhem. Um, Yeah, we just had a bunch of stuff from Sundance London, including a couple of contenders for possible films of the year. Oh, here you go. It's about time. Uh, Paul, what what is the one film you would recommend from Sundance so far? 
Oh, well, I hate to say it because it's probably Past Lives, but everybody's going to be watching Past Lives. It's going to be this year's sort of big prestige drama, I think. It's a gorgeous film about a woman who reunites with her former... uh, Well, no, not a former lover, a former childhood friend of hers with whom she sort of always shared a bit of a sort of will they, won't they? uh, But now she's married and it's just about whether or not that connection is actually still... What it means to her still. Oh, there's other good stuff there. You'll find out on all about it if you look at... Screen Mayhem. But but after you've done OG Team. OG Pod. I'm goodbye. All of them. <laughs> All of them. OG Pod. I'm ah! OG Pod. <laughs> I am Sir Sean a lot. And remember, the one good thing about Independence Day Resurgence is probably the bit where Jeff Goldblum is just allowed to be himself.